Welcome to a Calvary Montclair Sermon Podcast. It is our desire that you will learn of Jesus, grow in Jesus, and share Jesus with other people. Service times are on Thursday evenings at 7 p.m. and on Sunday mornings at 9.30 a.m. For addresses and directions, please visit our website, www.cmontclair.com. We pray that you are blessed by the teaching of God's Word by Pastor Joe McTarsney. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, reading verses 20 through 28. But now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all died, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. But each one in his own order, Christ the first fruits, afterwards those who are Christ at his coming. Then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father, when he put an end to our rule and all authority and power. For he must reign till he has put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that will be destroyed is death. For he has put all things under his feet. But when he says all things are put under him, it is evident that he has put all things under him is expected. Now when all things are made subject to him, then the son of himself will, will also be subject to him and put all things under him that God may be all in all. So this morning we're, we're going to look at this portion of scripture and we're going to pull out seven points about Jesus. We're going to pull out seven points about Jesus. And I've, I've learned in Bible school, when you ever open the scriptures, find Jesus in the scriptures. He, for he's there, he's, he's revealed in the scriptures. And so we're, we're going to find seven points regarding Jesus in, in this portion of scripture from 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 20 through 28. So number one, number one, we see in verse 20, we see in verse 20, we observe that Jesus has risen from the dead. Jesus has risen from the dead. We see in verse 20 where it says, but now Christ is risen from the dead. Christ is risen from the dead because people of God, it's important to know this. We as people that live upon on the face of the earth, we never to be, we never need to be pitied by anyone, by anyone, family members, mayors, um, or neighbors, um, anyone. We we never need to be pitied by anyone because we are believers that believe in the risen of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord has risen from the dead. We believe in Him, and that's a fact. And that fact can be verified. And if they don't believe it, they could go to Israel with us. They go to Israel with us, and they could go to that empty tomb and sit for themselves. And and then they will have no excuse. And so we are not to be pitied, but we are to be blessed because we serve a risen Lord, and we have a living hope. We have a living hope. We have reason to to wake up for the next day. We have reason to live life. Even during the difficult times that we go through, we have reason to press on. Why? Because Jesus Christ is holding on to us and we're going to press on because through Christ we can do all things. We have a living hope. We have it. 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 3 speaks about that. 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 3 says, Praise be to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope. We have a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. It was his mercy that has given to us. Mercy is receiving something you don't deserve. We throw ourselves at the mercy seat of the judge. And we say, be merciful to us. I'm a sinner. I have sinned and I have fallen short. But God... But God so loved me that he would send his only begotten son. Oh, let that message never, ever become 
boring to you, but always exciting to you, that you get to be heaven bound because of Jesus Christ. And so because Jesus has risen from the dead, we have a living hope. So praise God for that. Secondly, we see in verse 20, we see in verse 20, because Jesus has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. We, we see that in verse 20 where it says, and has, that's Jesus, and, and he has Jesus become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Now, what does Paul mean? What does Paul mean by, by the word of, of falling asleep and, and first fruits? It's real important to define those two words. Well, we know, we know that uh, those that have fallen asleep, it's another way of saying and expressing the death of a believer. The death of a believer. And I love that. Um, in the Bible, the Bible says that believers only fall asleep. They only fall asleep. And, and so you may see uh, somebody uh, in, in that casket. You may see, see somebody in that casket and they look like they're falling asleep. They are asleep in, in, indeed. They really are. I heard a story a long time ago. I heard this story. It's a good one. And, and, and it's about, it was a funeral service. It was a funeral service. And, um, and so there was a lady in the casket. And this lady in the casket, casket, guess what? She had a fork. She had a fork in her hand. And so um, um, a, a niece w- w- went up to the casket and saying, I don't understand. Why, why does she have a fork? Oh, let me, let me tell you why she has a fork in her hand in that casket. Because she went to church, and the pastor used to say that the best is yet to come. And so she just thought about sometimes in dinner times that her family used to say, um, dessert is on its way, and that's the best, and it's getting yet to come. And so she knew when she, when she died, when she died, her dessert is to see Jesus. Her dessert is to be home with the Lord, and, and she, she anticipated. That's why she's laying there with a smile on her face. Because when she closed her eyes, that was the thoughts that she was thinking about, the best is yet to come. I'm going to see the maker of of the heavens and earth, the lover of my soul, my king of kings, my lord of lords, my Jesus. I'm not going to see him. And it, it, and it just it, it occupied her, her thinking, and, um, and it just showed as she was just sleeping away. So, so Paul says those that have fallen asleep, that, that just really means that they have they passed away. They went home to be with the Lord. He also uses uh, the word first fruit. First fruit. W- what does that mean? Well, with the concept of, and, and the thinking of first fruits, that was a practice that was conducted in the Old Testament, according to the book of Leviticus chapter 23, verse 10. Leviticus chapter 23, verse 10 was a practice of the Old Testament. And that practice was when the Israelites, what they would do is they would bring a sample of the first grain from their field to the priest. They, they brought a sample, they walked to the priest, and they, they just gave the, the priest um, that, that sample. And the priest, what he would do is he would wave. He would wave the, the wheat towards heaven. He would wave the wheat towards heaven, signifying their gratitude to the Lord for his provision, for his provision. And they would give God honor and saying, God, thank you for providing for us. The, the harvest is coming. The harvest is coming. So, so that's what that meant. So how does this verse, how, how does this concept of the first fruits and those falling asleep relate to Jesus? Well, know this. Jesus is the first fruits. He's the first fruits. And because Jesus is the one himself, he went to the Father and he's waving himself to the Father. And he's the first fruit and he rose from the dead. And what he is saying and what he did is he paid the way for the harvest. And we are the harvest. We are the harvest. So Jesus, in a sense, is waving to the Father. Here I am, rose from the dead. And because I rose from the dead, 
the people on earth, they are the harvest and they're going to come. And all that is for us now to praise God because he has provided a way through the resurrection of his son, Jesus Christ, that we are the harvest and we are now heaven bound. And so we know that according to Romans chapter six, verse five, Romans six, five says, for if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. So we are going to heaven because of Jesus. And then know that. Never forget that. Know that. Know that during the times of trials, during the times of fear. As I was preparing this study, the Lord was ministering to me through an old hymn. The old hymn that, that says, Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know he holds the future. And I can carry on because he lives. And know that because Jesus lives, you can face tomorrow. Because Jesus lives, all fear is gone. Fear that what is occurring right now, because perfect love casts out fear. Jesus is love and he loves you. And because he's with you, he loves you, you don't have to be afraid. And also fear is gone in the near future. When, you, when it comes to the time where, where you know oh, I'm going to be closing my eyes or you have a loved one that they're going to be closing your eyes, you don't have to be in fear. Yes, we're going to hurt because we're going to miss the interactions of them during, during the holidays. And then maybe you have a loved one that went home to be with the Lord this last year and Thanksgiving is right around the corner and, and Christmas and it may be difficult for you. Oh, rejoice. Rejoice because they are rejoicing. They are worshiping the Lord and rejoice and praise God because of Jesus Christ. You are going to be reunited with them soon and very soon. So we have hope. We, we have reason to live. We have reason to be thankful. And those times, those people that want to give up hope, those people that, that want to harm themselves, um, they often are people that have no hope. And so they need to be infused with hope. And hope is found in a person. Faith, hope, and love. And that's all in Jesus Christ. And so because of Jesus, because of Jesus, we can press on. So may we never forget what Jesus Christ has done for us, especially during difficult times. You're going through a difficult time? Read the word. Listen to praise music and, and get your mind to, to wrap around truth because the truth will set you free that you are an overcomer in Jesus Christ. Jesus has overcome even death. And because he has overcome death, you're going to be overcoming death in itself. In that death situation, you're going to overcome it too. Now, number three. Number three, the, the third lesson we learn about Jesus, we're going to see in verses 21 and 22, that Jesus brings life to us. Jesus brings life to us. Notice with me, verse 21 and verse 22. For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all died, even so, in Christ, all shall be made alive. Now, we know that the first man, the first man that Paul is referring to in verse 21, that is in reference to Adam. And Adam, Adam, he brought death. He brought death to all mankind. And, and, and he brought sin because of his sin action. And we know that according to Romans chapter 5, verse 12, Romans chapter 5, verse 12 says, Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, and in that way, death came to all men because all sin. Now, some of you, you may be upset at, at um, Adam. You're like, man, Adam, dude, I'm going to sock you when I get to heaven, man. Why, why did you do that? Hey, Adam, Adam had a free will. And he exercised his free will and, and made a poor decision. 
you know what? We could be like an Adam too. We have a free will. Are we making poor decisions? Are we choosing to sin? That's on us. We're like, oh, why do you guys say that? You know, I like to put the blame on Adam. And that's what Adam did too. It's the woman you gave me. And so our sinful nature, our sinful nature likes to blame. Our sinful nature um, doesn't like to take responsibility. But we have a free will. And may we choose each and every single day in the hard times, in the good times, the mountaintop experiences in the valley, that I'm going to serve the Lord. I'm going to keep my eyes on him. I'm going to feed myself the scriptures. I'm going to move forward in the Lord Jesus Christ because victory is ours because he has risen from the dead and I'm heaven, down, I'm heaven bound. Now, the, the second man that he speaks about in verse 21 and verse 22, we know that second man to be Jesus. And Jesus, he came. He came from heaven to earth to show the way. He came to pay a penalty of that sin, and he took our place. He took our place. We know that according to Romans chapter 5, verse 19. Romans 5, 19 says, For just as though the disobedient of the one man that many were made sinners, so also through obedience of the one man, the many will be made righteous. So through the obedience of one man, that is Jesus we will be made righteous. Jesus knew no sin, but it became sin for us to bring us in a, in a right, righteous relationship to a holy God. So when God the Father sees us, he sees us clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And because of Jesus, because we are in Jesus, we're going to be resurrected um, as well. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And because Jesus' death, he rose again and provides us life as we are in Christ, as we are in Christ now, as we are in Christ. And that is a key word, by the way, you want to underscore in verse 22 where it says, in Christ. Those that are in Christ, and it's important for us to continue to abide in Christ, to abide in Christ. We have a choice each day. We could be in the flesh or we could be in Christ. And may we choose whom this day we're going to serve the Lord, that we'll serve the Lord in this day. And then tomorrow, choose whom we're going to serve the Lord, that we're going to be in Christ and not in the flesh. And the Lord, by living inside of us, he gives the empowerment by his Holy Spirit that we could, we could put to death the, the deeds of the flesh and the, the fleshly appetites. We don't have to give in to them. We could walk in the Spirit and not gratify the desires of our sinful nature. And no. No, in order to be a godly person and to be Christ-like, no, it's only by the Holy Spirit's power. It's not by willpower. It's only by the Holy Spirit power, not willpower, that makes us more like Jesus Christ. We're called to be Christ-like. We're called to be Christians, which means to be Christ-like. And that could only take place by the power of, of the Spirit of God through the Word of God that teaches us. So we could become more like Christ. Now, number four, we see in verse 23, verse four, we see in verse 23 that Jesus became the various order of harvest. Notice with me that, uh, notice with me um, of that in verse 23 where it says, but each one in his own order, Christ the first fruits, afterwards those, the key word there is those, after those who are Christ at his coming. So we know that Jesus, after his resurrection, became the first fruit. Now for those, for those who are in Christ, and they will rise at his coming. They will rise at his coming. Now, Bible scholars, Bible scholars believe that the those part in verse 23, that the those part in verse 23 can refer to three groups of people. Three groups of people that will rise in this order. Three groups of people that will rise in this order. Number one, when Jesus rose from the grave, number one, 
that those believers in the Old Testament who died having faith, having put their trust in God as they were waiting for the coming Messiah, that they will rise. We know that according to the book of Daniel in the Old Testament, chapter 12, verse 2, where it says, multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will wake to the everlasting life. We know according to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 12, speaking of Jesus, and the one who descended is the one who ascended higher than, than the heavens. The, the people of faith in the Old Testament, they walked by faith and not by sight. They heard the, the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. They knew that there was a Messiah that was going to be born into them, that will be their, 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 their Prince of Peace, their, their Heavenly Father, their, their wonderful Counselor, the, the great I am. They, they knew he was going to come and they put their trust in him. And so we know that the first group is, is from the, those people in the Old Testament that, that died in, in, in faith, hoping for seeing the, um, the Messiah. Secondly, we know that the, the second group of people is referring to the believers that, that have died currently. When Christ comes, the harvest of believers' bodies that have been buried, the harvest of believers' bodies that have been buried will meet the Lord at his coming. And we know that according to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16 says, For the Lord himself will come from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of an archangel and the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. So this is what's going to happen. It's going to be a day, and, and we have to have our ears ready. Because you could be doing, you could be driving, you could be, in the, you could be um, with your children, and there's going to be a day when you're going to hear that trumpet. That's kind of weak sauce, but that's my trumpet. Um, you're going to hear that trumpet, and when you hear that trumpet, you, you look up for the, your redemption draws nigh. And, and then Jesus Christ, he's going to come back, and then he's going to come back, and we're going to see him. We're going to see him in the clouds. And those who, who died First, in Christ, those who die first in Christ, their spirit is ready with Jesus to be absent from the body, is be present with Jesus. Now, those who fall asleep in the grave, they're all going to rise. You want me to tell you something interesting about um, the uh, cemeteries? Yeah, I came to church learning, wanting to know something about cemeteries this day. Of course, tell me. Did you know in cemeteries, and I'm there pretty often, I'm there pretty often, um, uh, officiating services, they, they, they're all buried one way. They're going to be facing the east. You know why? Because they knew way back when that Jesus is going to come back, so they will all rise and they will see him. Amen. Interesting fact, huh? Pretty cool, huh? And so that's why they're all buried the same way, so they can rise and see Jesus. And then those who are in Christ that are still alive, we're going to meet them in the air. So somehow, and, and I mentioned this last week, um, Bible scholars, they, they go round and round over this one. Um, they, they, they don't like, okay, how does this happen? How does the spirit and the body or those have been cremated, how do they write? I don't know. That's the mystery of God. So we, we leave that up to God. We just know it's going to take place. And then, but, but that's up to God. But for us that are still alive and still remaining, we're going to be caught up and meet them together. Isn't that super cool? And that, that's going to happen in your near future. And there's times when, uh, when I go through difficult times, I start thinking about things like that. I start thinking about the future, how it's going to be. And then when I think about the future, it puts me in perspective. Now, number three, the, the, those, uh, the, the, the third group of people, um, the Bible scholars believe that they are the tribulation saints that will be meeting the Lord. They are the tribulation saints that are going to be meeting the Lord. Revelation chapter 20 verse um, 4 says, And I saw the souls of those who have been beheaded because of their testimony for Jesus. And because of the, the word of God, they had not worshipped the beast or his image and had 
uh, not received his mark on their forehead um, or their, their hands. They came to life and reigned with Christ. And so if we know someone, we, we know someone that, that um, is rejecting Jesus and they're called Christ-rejecting people. That's what they're called. Their unbelievers are called Christ-rejecting people. Um, and if you know someone that, that you're like, no, I don't want to follow Jesus. I'm just, I want to do whatever I want to do um, because I want to fulfill the pleasures of myself and, and I really don't care about God. And you let them know, you know, you'll probably go through the tribulation. And I need to tell you this. I need to tell you this. You'll probably go through the tribulation. By no means do not take the mark of the beast. By no means don't take the mark of the beast. And, and, um, and because if you don't... Um, and you give a testimony to the Lord and you follow the word of the Lord, yeah, you'll be beheaded, but you'll go to heaven. <laughs> and, and so follow, follow the Lord. Follow the Lord because it's all about Jesus. Out of his grace, he gives you another opportunity. Um, now in verse uh, 24, we see the fifth, the, the fifth aspect about Jesus. In verse 24, we see that in the future, Jesus will deliver the kingdom to his father. And I, and I love this. I can't wait till this takes place. It goes back to the father. We see this in verse 24. Then comes the end. So it comes to end. So this is our future, by the way, folks. Then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom to God, the father, when he puts an end to all the rule and all the authority and power. So there's going to be a day in the future. This is a future event that's going to be taking place for us. So there will be a day when Christ puts an end. And I, and I love this. He's going to put an end to all these rulers. He's going to put into these rulers that abuse people with their authority. Because you know what? Sometimes and you may have a supervisor like this. You're like, oh, my. Give that person a little authority and look what they do. <laughs> they start changing everything and start making rules and regulations. And, and guess what? There's going to be a day where, where all their authority, all their power, um, all that is going to be done away with. And Jesus will deliver the kingdom right back to his father. Right back to his father. And, and, and it's going to be uh, ruled and reigned by, by, by the Father. And so as you and I, we, we, we observe people um, that indeed, unfortunately, for whatever reasons, they, they abuse their authority and they do it all over the place. Know that there's going to be a day where that will be taken away from them. And you could think that in mind as, you know, they're, they're maybe pull you in their office and they're telling you this and telling you that. You could think in the back of your mind, one day you're going to lose that authority. <laughs> and uh, it's just true. Well, it's just true. And because there's only one that has a true authority, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the King of kings, and he's the Lord of lords. And, and, um, and he will take his rightful place as, as a blessed King of kings. And, and so as he has come here on earth to, to do God's kingdom, to serve God's kingdom, he's going to give the kingdom right back to God. Matthew chapter 6, verse 10 says, Matthew 6, 10 says, Your kingdom come, your will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is already declared in heaven. It's going to go down. It's declared in heaven and it's going to happen on earth so it's just a matter of time so meanwhile let's continue to further god's kingdom and speak about those that, that abuse other people um, over innocence um innocent people for those that abuse their authority over people let's speak out against that let's be their voice and knowing that one day they're going to be losing all their authority and all their power that that they have and um and god has um and if god has blessed you with, with some type of uh, super, uh, super visual responsibility to a supervisor um, over people. May, may you lead like Jesus led. May you love people 
and, and tell people the truth and love and, and, and serve people and, and be that kind of leader and, 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 and exercise your, your, your authority with kindness and with firmness. It's just so important. Now, number six, we see this in verses 25 and 26, that all enemies will be under the feet of Jesus. All enemies will be under the feet of Jesus. We see that in verses 25 and 26. For he must reign till he has put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that will be destroyed is death. So Paul here, he refers to the 100-year reign of Jesus, which is described in the book of Revelation, chapter 20, verses 1 through 6. And after that time, there will be a final Satan-inspired rebellion, according to Revelation, chapter 20, verses 7 through 10. And after that, Jesus will put all enemies under his feet. And I love this. The final enemy will be death itself. The final enemy will be death itself. And it's going to be glorious. Saints of God is going to be glorious when there's going to be a day where there be no more death. There's going to be no more death at all. Physical death, no death of, of crime, the death of severe pain that people will go through, all that's going to come to an end. All that will all come to an end. And you may see right now, you may see right now world events that, that may seem and, and really may be out of control. And you may see that, that justice seems um, scarce. But no, in the plan of God, in the plan of God, in the heart of God, all that is going to be ended by Jesus Christ. And he's going to reign and he's going to rule over all the earth. And so know that he will overcome and know that we are overcomers because we are in Christ Jesus. So be a good cheer. Be a good cheer for he has overcome the world. You serve a Lord that has overcome the world. You are victors in Jesus Christ. Never forget that. And then lastly, we're going to see number seven, the, the seventh um, aspect about how Jesus is Lord and about Jesus Christ. We see this in verses 27 and verses 28, 27 and 28, that Jesus came to carry out his Father's will. Jesus came to carry out his Father's will. We see that in verses 27 and 28. For he has put all things under his feet. And when he says all things are, are put under him, it is evident that he who puts all things under him is expected. And when all things are, are made subject to him, then the son himself will also be subject to him who put all things under him, that God may be all in all. So we know, according to those two verses, with exception of God, with exception of God, all things are under the feet of Jesus. All things will be under the, the, the feet of Jesus. Now, you may want to wonder, you may, you may wonder, now, why is God the exception? Everything upon the face of the earth, every, every, everyone will be under the feet of Jesus um, except God. Well, except God because God the Father is the one that gave Jesus all the authority. And Jesus came to carry out his Father's will on earth. We know that according to Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. Matthew 28, verse 18 says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So throughout the mission of Jesus on earth, he came, to, he came as a servant to carry out his Father's will. And so we here, as we live life, we here, as, as we live life, we're called to, to, to be the representative of, of God the Father, to do his will, to carry out God's business, to carry about our Father's business. And may we do so. And may we analyze our life today as we move to a, a close. Are we carrying out God's business? 
Are we carrying out our business? Are we, are we seeking to, to lift Jesus high, to share that he is the way, that he's the truth and he is life? I, I pray that the Lord would help us, that the Lord will open doors for us, that we point people to Jesus because we're here on God's mission. We're here on earth for kingdom business. We are here to lift Jesus high so he could draw all people to himself. And I just pray that the Lord will use you this week within your families and with people that you work with and and, um, that God will glorify himself in your life and through your life. Amen.